know exactly what to play. It has to be romantic and classy, but with tons of dignity. <laughs> Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Wow, that totally captivated her. I don't get it. That one always works. Even on my wife. Alvin, you've disgraced me for the last time. <laughs> it's just like Gary Cooper, huh? I think the cartoon just started. Feliz Dia de los Muertos. This week on Acme Podcast Incorporated, we're uh, we're a couple weeks late, but mm. uh, well, a week. We're like a week late, really. Uh, but uh, we're 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 tackling uh, Book of Life and Coco this week uh, in honor of Dia mm-hmm. de los Muertos. Uh, yeah. Um, Kai, would, you, you... Oh, sorry, go on. I said I would... Tr- I was trying to say something in Spanish, but then I remembered that I failed Spanish, too. So... <laughs> uh, my yeah. my Spanish is... Not good. Yep. Uh, neither is mine, really. Uh, I, I took... I had three years of Spanish in middle school, and then I took French in high school, so... Uh, yep. I had two years of Spanish in high school. I failed the second year, so... Most of the Spanish I know comes from cowboy movies, or... Ah, see, sí, gringo. Yeah, screw you too. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, Book of Life's one of my favorite movies. Um, mm. it, I, like, maybe not, like, top five, but it's definitely one of my favorites. I've seen it a, a lot. It's the first um, time I've seen either of them. Oh, wow. Um... And Coco is a movie I love that I wish I'd never seen. Hmm. Um, I am so glad there's a movie that talks about the things it talks about. Uh, and I think a lot of people should see it because it. I think it, it's important. I just, I wish that I personally myself had never seen it because it ruins me every time. Well... I guess we'll get there when we get there, won't we? Yeah. Uh, and who are but, you? Oh, yeah. I didn't intru- I knew I forgot something. Hey, I'm Laser J. I'm your host, as always. I'm the host with the most in the man with the plan here on Acme Podcast Incorporated. And I'm joined, as always, by... Faithful co-host, Kai. What's up, everybody? Yep. Yep, 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 yep. We're here. We're... Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to use the word that uh, that usually comes after we're here because oh, I don't the, know if you. Oh, the the keyword. Yeah, I know some people like it and some people don't, so I it's didn't comp- want to use it. There's a complicated history behind the word. Yes. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm not ignorant to that. That's why I refrain from saying it. Um, mm-hmm. We're here. We don't got any beer, but uh, we're here. So. <laughs> uh, Never, we're here, never fear, because we got no beer. I do got ginger ale, though. I have 
I have Dr. Peppy. Alrighty. So yeah, um, but before we can get to our feature presentations, uh, we got weeks to tackle. So, uh, Kai, what what you got going on, bud? Uh, I want to talk about a manga. All right. Uh, it's uh, there's only sixteen chapters of it so far. Mm-hmm. It's called Kaiju Number Eight. I've heard of this. I have not read it, but I thought it looked up your alley. Yeah, it's about a uh, a, a a guy who he's a he's in his like early thirties, and he lives in Japan where it's constantly being attacked by kaiju. Mm-hmm. And he prom basically he promised his sheltered friend that they would join like the defense force that kills kaiju, but he like utterly failed to pass the test, and now he's like on the disposal team that t- that cleans up the kaiju bodies. Of course. And uh, eventually, he he meets a a young uh, member of the cleanup crew who wants to be a member of the defense force and inspires him to take the test again. Mm-hmm. And during their uh time together uh, the guy somehow gets infected with something and he turns into a human sized kaiju monster oh. and, and is able to use his kaiju powers to fight other kaijus but he has to keep it a secret otherwise the defense force will try and kill him hmm. and it, it, it is it is and it's not the, the, the whole keeping it a secret thing is very much used for comedy. <laughs> of course. Because yeah. he's really bad at hiding it. <laughs> why, why can't he... Um, he's a human-sized kaiju, is what you said. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting kaiju. Yes. Why can't he just come forward? Well, what do you think... Okay, let me ask you a question. If someone was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I have totally have kaiju powers... Don't and I can totally just like. If if I were to get angry, I could punch a human into into a, a pile of blood. But don't worry. I won't do that. Well, if you worded like that, sure. But if you worded like, uh, something happened, and now I turn into a kaiju sometimes, but I retain my human intelligence. So uh, yeah. I fight the kaiju. I don't know if he reveals that he's a kaiju. Like the only one who seems to know is like the like the, the kid who he's mm-hmm. friends with, and then this other girl, who he mm. saves during the exam. No, oh. they're the only ones who know that he's a kaiju. Hmm. And I don't know if he reveals it later. Probably will. You're not up to date. No, uh, I'm only read like eight. I eight read like eight chapters. Okay. Of the sixteen. So. Okay. It, it it feels like uh, he'll probably reveal it to his childhood friend eventually, but that doesn't feel like a chapter 16 reveal. That feels like a chapter 36 type thing, if you know Eventually, what I mean. Yeah, I mean, don't know how know how she'll take it considering that she has a super, super vendetta against Kaiju. Yeah. So, you know. How did you say he got turned into a... This like hybrid thing. Well, what happens is is that he saves one of his, he saves the the younger guy from a smaller kaiju, 
And then they're, they're like, he gets injured, Defense Force shows up, saves them, and then he ends up in the hospital. And while he's in the hospital, this, like, really tiny kaiju is like, I found you. And he's like, what? And then it goes inside of him, and then he just turns into a, a human-sized kaiju. Huh. And he can change back. Yeah. But he didn't know that at first. Interesting. And, and so he's just like, why am I, what, what's happening? Trust me, no, it's me, I swear. Okay, that, that that does sound interesting. And when he first turned into a kaiju, he was like, listen, hey man, I know this is, we're running away and all, but I really gotta piss. <laughs> and like, how would you even piss in that body? Is this really the time? It's like, dude, when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> and they're running, and then he just pees from his nipples. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh, what, what kind of kaiju is he? Like... He's like hum he is humanoid and he's like got like muscle black muscle fibers and armor plates all over his body and he has like a skull face with a with horns. And oh, he's so like, he's like a he's like a devil man. Yeah, kind of and he's like twelve feet tall. Okay. okay. He's like a big monstrous humanoid. Okay. With, with big teeth and like a skull face. It reminds me of um I, I don't know if this manga is any good. I barely remembered, but do you remember Zetman? Yeah, I remember Zetman. Zetman was fucked up. Yeah, that that's what I remember about it too. <laughs> uh, but like, just based on description, it, it kind of feels like a light-hearted Zetman. Yeah, light-hearted Zetman. Um, and then uh, he he just doesn't. He can like change parts of his body, like. Whenever he punches really hard, like, these pythons will grow out of his legs to, like, anchor him to the ground. Hmm. And then, like, a mouth will open on his elbow that shoots, like, electricity energy to repel his punch like a rocket. Interesting. Yeah. He's kind of only, like, killed two monsters, and it's only been in, like, he's, he's punched them, like, two or three times, and they've died. Hmm. So, so we're we're working on if you're eight chapters in, we're working on kind of like a epo match uh, time frame kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. He's a he hasn't uh, really had a real fight yet. It's just mm. been like he's only he's only just gotten the powers and he's only fought two kaiju. Got it. And okay. the first ki the first kaiju is a given that he's going to completely annihilate it with ease. And the second one is like he was saving somebody and just like, Well, time to see what this body can do and he goes all out and he just turns it into dust. Nice. He's like, Oh. Oops. <laughs> it feels like for a while there was this uh trend of uh having your characters be really weak at mm. the front at the front of it and now since like since the success of like One Punch Man and uh, My Hero, uh, mm -hmm. it's been like, no, let's just make them real strong, right from the get go. I mean, One Punch Man, that's just that's the joke. Yeah, that's the joke. Um, and then with Hero, it's more like I have all this power, but it's like it's too much power, and my body, I destroy my body every time I use it. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I know it's not the same thing, but it's still just like. Again, like we've had this conversation off mic, uh, but 
it, the, the very impetus of my hero is this is how I became the most powerful hero. So we already, and we see, we've seen what All Might can do. So we know that power is in Midoriya right now. His body can't keep up, obviously, but he's still, like, he was very weak before he got the power, but once he got the power, he really just, it, it ramped up to 11, even if he was injuring himself in the process. Yeah. Um, like, I'll break compared both my arms. I'll break yeah. both my arms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like if you were to compare it to, like, um, Hitman Reborn. Yeah. Hitman Reborn. Uh, yeah. It, it just, it, it definitely feels like a different era, if you know what I mean. More like Dragon Ball. Yeah. Because Goku was already strong. Yeah, Goku was the strongest when he showed up. He figured out the Kamehameha just after seeing it one time. Like, like that, that, the first, the first time you see Goku, Bulma hits him with a car and then shoots him, and he's like, "What the heck was that for?" <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Dragon Ball. Yeah, I do too, but I also hate Dragon Ball. Well, I mean, okay. Uh, As a I whole, love, yeah, I love Dragon Ball. The further we get away from that first arc of Dragon Ball, the 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 less I love it. <laughs> Honestly, um, I think Dragon Ball the is a as a series really doesn't start to take a huge nosedive until like Frieza. Uh Yeah, cuz that's when we get the you haven't even reached my final form. And that's uh, fine once. Yeah. And, and then, then it's it also happening. the... Then it keeps yeah. happening. And then it becomes power chicken. and Yeah. Yep. Uh, or not power chicken, but you know what I mean. It, it, power creep. Yeah, power creep. Yeah. Um, because Toriyama doesn't think two steps ahead. He was like, oh no, I made Frieza way too powerful. Now the power scale's all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks three steps behind. <laughs> Pretty much. The man just like... The man actively forgets characters exist sometimes. I... I okay. Yeah, there's that. Um, In his defense... I don't think he was ever meant to write action. <laughs> I don't um, think he was either. He's a, he's, he's a really either? good artist. He's a really good artist. He's a really good draftsman. But he's... Yeah. And he writes comedy really well, but he's not. He, but not he good didn't at writing. Yeah, he didn't set out to make. He set out to make a gag manga, and then it was like, oh no, I had an idea and I took it too far. <laughs> um, I can relate with that because I've done that with fan fiction in the past. Uh, uh, but, oof, yeah, just it. But it's it, mm, he. He had the problem where he made a mistake and it was a popular mistake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Y- you there, Kai? Sorry. I- yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just smiling and nodding. Okay. Uh. But yeah, that that's Dragon Ball. Forget about Dragon yeah. Ball. Uh. Well, we'll eventually talk about Dragon Ball. Yeah. Uh. Eventually. Uh. You got anything more to say about Kaiju Number Eight, though? Uh, I actually, I really like the art, and, um, I hope there's some cool 
kaiju designs, honestly, because uh, some of the monster designs are actually really neat, so I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes in terms of its, you know, future. And also, mm -hmm. there's cl they're clearly setting up for some shit really early mm -hmm. on, like other human-sized kaiju that are infiltrating the defense force that are evil. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, okay, we're going, we're immediately going somewhere with this. Hmm, yeah. Uh, I got a, I got a, I got a question. Hmm. How would you describe the art? Like, you, you know how, like, is it more, like, like, stereotypical anime, or is it more like that, like, more quasi-real, serious ant manga type, or is it... I would describe it as if you took um, the art from Hero, My Hero. Mm -hmm. It's like a it's like a half step between the art of One Punch Man and My Hero. It's like between the two in terms okay. of art style. Like the character designs are like if you fused the art style from My Hero I, and the the I One can, Punch I, Man manga. I can manga. picture that. Not yeah, the comic. I, I can picture that. Not the not, not the, the comic. Not the One Punch Man comic, the the manga. The the, the Murata one. Yeah, the Murata, yeah. It's it's very Murata esque in terms of its Yeah. You know. Yeah. Character design. Uh I don't know okay. you know I'm gonna look up who who's the artist. Written and illustrated by Naoya Matsumoto. Okay. Naoya wonder what else he's done. Now Yamatsumoto. Oh, it's a lady. Oh. She's was an assistant uh, for Toshiaki Iwashiro, who worked on uh uh God Hand. Oh, uh, Kagami Gami. That's what I remember it from. Hmm. Yeah, nothing super like super super popular, but you know. Yeah. But yeah. She has seemingly two other mangas under her belt that mm -hmm. she worked. Uh, Pochikuro and Nekowapa. Hmm. Which, I don't know if they're the same. They have a much more uh, cartoony art look to them. Mm-hmm. No, it, it was all... The same person. Uh, yeah. The colored uh, panels are actually really nice. I'll say that much about the manga. Because hmm. uh, some of the chapters do have colored panels, and they actually are really cool. The coloring on them is... Very... The thing with colored manga is... They can, they, they can make or break how it looks. Because a lot of the time, it, it's really lazy, and it's just like... It wasn't meant to be colored, so it doesn't look right. And other times, mm. it, it uh, it actually didn't. But other times, they're like, "All right, now this was meant to be in color from the start." Yeah, usually, like um, the artists, the the the, the artists usually know ahead of time. I mean, they always know ahead of time you're getting the art splash. Mm-hmm. Uh, this issue. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh yeah, I'm I'm looking at the uh the art for the volume of the second color. Mm -hmm. Second cover, I mean, and 
I like I like the look of the kaiju. I think I'm looking at the the character. Yeah, that's it a looks like what you were describing. Skull man horns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool so far. Okay. Um. So that's it for your week. That's it. And next is upkeep, I guess. Nope. Nope. Uh, what? what? Well, no, not yet, because uh, I haven't done my week yet, uh, uh, right, 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 and right. I don't, I don't have a week. But I had an idea for a segment that would take, at most, around the same time as what an average week conversation, like single person's week conversation, would be. Uh, but probably mm-hmm. a lot less than that, and uh, I call that segment. What you think? What do you think? What do you think? Hey, Kai. Uh, what uh, you think would happen if uh, the first uh, quirk user in My Hero Academia was Pepsi Man? Uh, uh, okay. For those who don't know, I wasn't uh, vetted on this segment before he brought it up to me, so I'm. This is a live reaction. To that's right. Okay, well, this is a segment I thought up two weeks ago after we did our last episode, where I thought I often don't have a week, and I often just think to myself questions that are like, I wonder what, and I was like, I would like to ask these questions to someone else to see what they think. And I figured you'd be right. the perfect person for that. And so that's why I call this segment, Hey Kai, What You Think? So, Hey Kai, what you think would be different in My Hero Academia if the first Quirk user was Pepsi Man? Well, for one thing, um, All Might would have a very different costume. Hmm. Just, I mean, he, it's it's in his, like, it's, it's genetically imprinted into him, this. When he puts the Quirk in, it's like you have to wear something of Pepsi Man on you, you know? Like, hmm. there has to be, you're, you're, like, I think his colors are the same, but, like, they're mixed around. Like, hmm. instead of the gold, he's got silver on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Also, he, uh, for some reason, after every fight, All Might, whenever, he's, whenever he does his catchphrase, he's like, oh, and by the way, and he just pulls out a Pepsi, and then just drinks it right in front of the bad guy. And he's like, wait, hold on. Holds up a finger. <laughs> and he's like, okay, cool. And then he punches the bad guy. Now, and Midoriya, to get uh, the powers, instead of having to uh, eat one of All Might's hairs, he has to drink from the same can of Pepsi All Might drank from. Ah, an indirect kiss. Yes. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But like it has to be like he has to be like all right. He must willingly give you the Pepsi that he has drank from. The one in the one for wall refers to the backwash in the Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh... And also, um, the uh, for for some inexplicable reason, uh, all for one uh, wears a lot of red and white. Hmm. You know, the bad guy. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. 
Yeah, for some honest book, he has like a suit with a lot of red and white, and it's got like a bubble pattern on it. Yeah. For some reason. He has a pet polar bear. Yeah, he has a pet polar bear. Maybe a seal. Yeah. Santa Claus is there. Yeah. You know how it is. Uh, uh, no, you, I, I, mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but One for All and All for One weren't the first Quirk users, right? They were just no. very early. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, the okay. first, the first, it is said straight up in the beginning of the manga, the first Quirk user was a baby who was born with the ability to glow. That's right. Well, instead of that, baby was Pepsi Man. It was Pepsi Man. Completely silver, could shoot Pepsi from his mouth. Pepsi Man. I love Pepsi Man. I have an action figure of Pepsi Man. Of course you do. Mm. It's very on brand for you. On yeah. brand. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's been uh, Hey Kai, What You Think. Uh, so let's get into upkeep. Uh, DuckTales Yeah, I I told you that wouldn't be long Uh, We got Escape from the Impossibin And the Split Sword of Swanstantine Woo You there, Kai? Yeah, I was just like I just just went woo And I was like, these are some good episodes yeah, yeah, these are some... Escape from the Impossible immediately pays off on the uh, foul reveal to our cast uh, last episode in Let's Get Dangerous. We also got all the payoffs from like all the treasures they found throughout the season so far. Yes. Like the Genie, the Salego Circuit, uh, the Harp of Nirvana. Yeah. And... Uh... Yeah, it it calls back to a lot of previous episodes, and we get to see uh, Webby and uh, Mrs. Beakley go at it. Yeah, it's nice to see Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Beakley get something to do. She hasn't had a lot to do for a while. She's been kind of out of the picture a little bit. Um, We get to see how truly terrifying Webby can be. Yeah. Uh, She... I think in a fight between her and Scrooge, she would win. Mm. Like, if Fowl could corrupt Webby, Fowl would win. I think Webby is like the squirrel girl of DuckTales at this point. Mm. Well, the thing about it is, is if it were a straight-up fight, no, no nothing, yes. But that's not how it rolls. Scrooge isn't just tough, he's sharp. Yes, but I, I think what this whole series has proven is Webby's just as sharp. Mm. Yeah, but she Because has... she's literally learned in his footsteps. She's... Yeah. And not only his footsteps, but her grand's fo- footsteps. Yeah, totally. And, and uh, she she's like, yeah, she's, she's the threat, in my opinion. She's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I was. It was also really nice seeing Della, and Louis doing a thing. Yeah, they. Th- that's not something they do a whole lot. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they do do it, but, like... Do we it? <laughs> they do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Della hasn't... Della also hasn't gotten to do a whole... So this episode was literally just, like, Della and Beakley haven't gotten to do a whole lot, so let's give them an episode. Yeah. It, it's been a minute since they really had time to do something. It's really mostly been Scrooge and the kids uh, lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did really enjoy the scene where they got around Gyro's saws and she just like went fucking off on Gyro. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, if you... If a man forces you to chew licorice for 10 years, you you think about a lot of things to say about the man. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I can't relate because I've recently discovered I like the taste of black licorice. Uh, Here's, yeah, would, would you like it for 10 years? Yeah. Hmm. Considering some... I hate mint gum, I'll I'll take black licorice over mint any day. As someone who ate nothing but bologna sandwiches for a whole two years in uh, freaking uh, high school, mm-hmm. I never wanted to look at a bologna sandwich again for like five years. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm with you on that, but it's like her entire diet wasn't the oxygen gum, right? She had like other, she had like the no. food paste or whatever, right? No, that was it. Okay, then yeah, sure. The gum was the, the gum provided oxygen, but it was also the only sustenance. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would. It would suck. Yeah. It. It really would. Yeah. Uh. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But um. It was also uh. What was what was I gonna say? Um, did I really liked that this was the first time in a while we got to see a quote unquote Webby from season one? More like you know, like he, yeah, the urban s- fucking assassin Webby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not she. She's gone back to spy and training mode completely in this episode. That scene where she imitated Dewey was actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, that that's the thing that put me on... She's, like, the danger. She is the danger. She 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 would win. She would beat anyone. In, like, a war. In a war. Like, she is the army. <laughs> I, like, you're the smartest person I know, and I believe in you. It's, like, the mental game... That she played with him was so fucked up. Like, Jesus. She completely destroyed him. Yeah. Oh, man. It was a sight. It, it, I, yeah. I I loved this episode. Um, Yeah. I I loved when she realized she took it too far, and then her and Beakley. I love that it was Donald who was like, all right, this is enough. Fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, cause Donald is the only truly responsible one. He's the normal person. <laughs> Which is That's the weirdest sa- thing to me. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. When you're in um, a room 
when you're in a room and Donald Duck is the only normal person in the room, you know he's, that you're, you know, not... Yeah, he, yeah. He's the only one who doesn't want adventure or danger. And he has the, like, the the rage power, which we'll get into more in the next episode. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but he just kind of wants a quiet life. Um... And he's the most normal person in that household. And oh my god, that feels so weird to say that Donald Duck is the normal one. We have a super spy made. We have Webby. <laughs> Webby the danger, Beakley. Huey, who is utterly obsessed with knowledge and being a junior woodchuck and organized and Probably has OCD in some capacity, and also probably has a split personality. But we we'll get into that. Yeah, uh, he he's also well, mm, mm-hmm. that 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 doesn't really strike me as split personality. That strikes me more as um something else. But sorry, um, he he's the most like his uncle, like through and through. He is the most like his uncle. Yeah, uh, and then you have also, Lu- yeah, and you sorry. have Louis, who is a. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Con man. He's a con man. He is an aggressive liar. And is just a extremely lazy and selfish person. Yeah. Then you got Dewey, who is uh, an attention whore. Yeah. And just brimming with unwarranted confidence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? He also loves adventure. Oh yeah, like, no, he, he does too. He's the only he's the only one that really likes adventure among his siblings. Huey likes adventure sometimes, but he likes adventure within constraints. And Louie only likes adventure when there's treasure. Yeah, when when there's something to be earned. Um, and then or Scrooge Scrooge is a whole fucking luggage case that Smarter needs than to the be smarties, tougher than the toughies, faster than the fasties, sharper than the sharpies. Sharper than the Sharpies. That's the one I meant. He's a he's an entire package of luggage that needs to be unpacked. Yeah. And then Launchpad is the the prime himbo. Yeah. Himbo <laughs> and prime. And Della Yeah, Himbo Prime. And then Della is like it's like she's a mixture of Dewey and Louie. And so Primus created the 13 Primes. Optimus, Solaris, Megatronus, Vector, and Himbo Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just Rodimus. Yeah, Rodimus is Himbo Prime. Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. Uh... You're, you're so correct that Rodimus is Himbo Prime. <laughs> I uh, love Rodimus. I love. I genuinely. I, I, I genuinely love uh, Rodimus. Um, I, did, I love I did Rodimus trans- too. Yeah. Uh, even before I read the, uh, the, the IDW comics. IDW comics. Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact one. Um, oh, I saw fuck. the Transformers movie as an adult, so I was like, I don't really care if. Optimus dies. I think it's interesting, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I 
Yeah, that, that that's why people didn't like Rodimus, and I just thought well, it was interesting. No, and I... this, that's not the only reason. If you've ever watched the season with Rodimus, he's kind of a shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, the, the season didn't help, but he had a bad start in that he replaced Optimus. Uh, like, Rodimus is such a fucking shit heel. It's unreal. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah, I... I don't put a lot of weight behind the old cartoon, really, to be honest. Um, yeah. I mean, Transformers of the movie is just Star Wars with robots. Yeah. Or I should say more robots. Yeah, more <laughs> robots. fewer... Fewer organics and more robots. <laughs> yeah, more robots. Um, yeah. Uh, more asbestos. More asbestos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, Rodimus is Luke. Um, Cup is... Cup Ob- is like what? Obi-Wan, maybe? No, Optimus is Obi-Wan. That's right, yeah. Uh, mm. I think it's kind of... Sc- yeah, no cup is yeah. Uh Springer is Han, RC is Leia. Yep. Even got the hair. Yeah. I mean that was definitely on purpose. Um cuz I think they knew is, at the time what they were doing. <laughs> Grimlock is Chewy. Yeah. Uh Does that make uh Rekgar Who does that make Rekgar? I don't know. There doesn't have to there doesn't always have to be an equivalent here. Yeah. There I was gonna say characters. maybe he's like, yeah. I was gonna say maybe he's like Lando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, probably not. Probably not really. Uh, mm. I don't think that's really a clear. Anyway. Whatever. Not important. Uh, Ducktales. Yeah. So that's Escape from the Apossibin. Uh, Split Sword of Swanstantine. Uh, this out of these two, this is my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was... was a lot more. We we saw teams that we don't usually get to see. It was each of the uh, girl gang and the triplets divided up. I mean, we're used to the Webby Dewey team that's sort of been established yeah. from season one, but not these uh, other two combinations. Yeah, Violet and Louie is very interesting, and uh, Huey. I forgot and, her name. Huey and Lena. Huey and Lena. I don't know why I can never remember Lena's name. Uh, but yeah, Huey and Lena is also a very interesting team. Because they're uh, polar opposites to each other. Yeah. Same with same with Violet and Huey. I mean, Violet and Louie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Like, Lu- Violet is the most like Huey, and Lena is the most like Louie. Yeah. So, yeah. Polar opposites. And this this was another big development episode for uh for for Huey. Yeah, for sure. I mean every, everyone sort of had a lesson to learn. But this was like Huey dealing with his rage that we really only seen once before. Yeah, in the video game episode. Yeah. The um, B plot of that episode of that episode. Yeah. Um it wasn't just about that it was like I really like the callback of Lena being like, you can't just, like, you got to take the good with the bad, speaking yeah. from experience. 
And it yeah. was it was similar to the callback that Dewey had about trying to find his mom with uh, Goslin. Yes. Which I I really like in a, in a lesser show they wouldn't even have made those connections between the the two character development arcs. Yes. Um, and it was about Huey, uh, letting go of yeah. con- of control. Which is like his whole spiel and realizing you have to bring a little, not to sound like an edgelord, bring a little chaos into your existence. Otherwise, you can't really accomplish anything. You can't plan for everything. You can't uh, talk everything away. Sometimes it requires direct action and immediate action, not planning and the lack of control that that brings. I know we've uh, we've we wanted a, some a Huey character arc, and I feel like he's kind of getting it in this season. He absolutely is. He absolutely is. It, right from the first episode of the season, uh, him and Violet competing in the uh, the the Junior Woodchuck thing. And then he was the one who figured out the whole shit with the Salego circuit and figured out that foul was a thing. And he, he was the first. He was the one to really suspect all the sh- you know shenanigans. Yes, uh, I, I think that's more just because he's the brainy one of well, yeah, the three. It was just, you know. Yeah, uh, but, but he's always like the first one to figure things out. Like even in the previous seasons, he's he's the one that's constantly thinking about those things. That That's not really development for him because in the, the let's get dangerous, that's really more of a, if, if we break it down to just the triplets, because that mm-hmm. show is, that episode's primarily about Drake and Goslin. Yeah. But of the triplets, Dewey did the most that episode. He was the instructed, instructive one there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, just, I think that, like, oh, yeah, of course he figured it out. He's Huey is give, not giving him enough credit. Yeah. I, I mean... I mean, that's... I think that's giving his credit him credit due because I mean, yeah. he's the smartest one there. I'm giving him the credit of being the obvious choice of figuring it out. Yeah, that, that's true. Um That's true. Um it was nice seeing all the foul agents again. Yeah. Uh, uh Heron, Steelbeak, Rocker uh, Duck. Rocker Duck, uh Q. Yep. God, wait, Q. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the hacker lady. They called oh, her yeah. Q, didn't they? No, Gander. Remember? Gander? That was her name. Okay, whatever. Gander D. That's right, D. I knew Gandra the letter. D. Gandra D. Gandra D, that's right. Like Sandra D, yeah. Yeah, and it was, she was from the one with uh, Fenton. Yeah, no, I remembered her. I just couldn't remember that. I'm, I'm shit with names. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I just remembered her having, like, a letter in her name. I thought it was Agent Q for some reason, but no, Gandra D. That's right. Okay. Sorry. I I, I uh, like I liked the Webby and Dewey episode one, the Dewey part, because it was like... I loved Webby realizing that Dewey's superpower is his confidence. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's true. Yeah. No matter how unpopular or 
how much he fails or how much he like just can't get his nighttime talk show to work he just deweys it <laughs> yeah to quote dewey it it pushes forward the thing that i've always believed um fortune mm. favors the bold it it it's that that's literally all it is he he Dewey doesn't just represent uh like like each of the triplets represents a different facet of Scrooge. Yeah. Um and usually it's just like the love of adventure is what we usually see from Dewey. But it it's the supreme confidence that everything will go his way. And Scrooge backs up that confidence with actual skill. But Dewey's just lucky. And confident, and fortune favors the bold. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it, uh, it it's it's the same lesson you see in uh, Huey's story. You know, like uh, Webby and Huey are learning the same thing. Basically, that you you, you just got to move forward. You, you can't plan for everything. You can't. Sometimes you just have to go forward blind, without a plan, without a thought. Because mm-hmm. you can never plan for every eventuality. Yeah, and uh, you know, like plans are all well and good, but they always fall apart as soon as you add in the human element. No plan. Uh, no plan ever survives the conflict. Survives of the implementation. Yeah. No, survives the conflict. Survives contact with the enemy. So yeah, uh, that doesn't mean don't have a plan, but. Mm-hmm. means you can't rely on the plan. You have to sometimes just wing it. Just got to do it. Wing it. Yeah, yeah ducks. Yeah. Yeah, duck wing. <laughs> now, <laughs> while this was a good episode, I was like, yeah, that was really good. I was always watching it, and then we got to the bit at the end where they had the feather, <clears> and I'm like, where they had the feather, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Cloning. Are they going to clone Scrooge? I, I think we may be seeing a Nega Scrooge situation, maybe. Mm. Hmm. Oh my God! This is the culmination of it all. It's the triplets and Webby having to team up to beat an evil Scrooge. Yeah. Sick. Well, if that's what's happening. Yeah, I it 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 could just be like uh. They need a DNA sample to get through something. Yeah, it's... Or it's not Scrooge at all. It could be not Scrooge's feather, that's right. Could be Webby. Could, could be Webby, could be... Could be any of any them. Any of the triplets, yeah. It could the only be... One it, could be Lena. It could be Lena. The only one it can't be is Violet, because she's all purple. <laughs> yeah, it could be, it could be uh, any of the ducks. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Very curious. The plot. It could just be uh, mm-hmm. a plot to frame Scrooge. You know, they With knock DNA. something over and, yeah, knock someone over, leave the feathers uh, as, like, planted. 
what what's the uh, planted evidence? evidence? Yeah, uh, that feels a little too like it's sim- it's too simple. But it it's also a children's cartoon, so they that could be it. I mean, yeah, um, I guess. Mm, I don't know. Because at the end of the day, I like Scrooge is known for his greed and his love of artifacts, so they could just. Leave it behind, steal something from a museum, leave it behind, frame him, discredit him. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think clone probably feels more accurate. Clone. Or use yeah. it to bypass some sort of, like, Security. biometric scanner type thing, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that it for upkeep? Mm, yep. There's no Owl House and there's no Amphibia, so... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, okay. So, we'll take a quick break, and when we return... Uh, Book of Life. Y- you good with Book of Life? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, right. go, I'm gonna go bathroom. Alright, we'll stick around. We'll be back. See you then. Now, we're back on to our show. Welcome back, everybody, to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Let's hop into the Book of Life. Uh, so, Book of Life came out in 2014. Yep, it's... It was, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, you go on. You have something prepared, obviously. Yeah, uh, 2014. The movie is basically the uh, passion project of the director, Jorge Gutierrez. Yep. He's basically been a creative on a lot of different shows, like uh, Chalk Zone, Mucha Lucha, and of course, El Tigre. Yep. Um, it was original, the film was actually originally going to be produced by DreamWorks in 2007, but there were a lot of creative differences, so the film eventually was uh, stuck in development hell until Real Effects picked it up and it was produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro... Really just... He chooses good things to produce. Oh, yeah. The man has never picked anything bad to produce. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have, As for the cast, I recognize a lot of people in the cast of this movie. Yeah, we got Diego Luna as Manolo. Uh, Zoe, Saldan- Zoe Saldana as Maria. Yeah. Uh, Channing Tatum as Joaquin. Uh, Ron Perlman as Jibalba. Shibalba and uh, uh, Christina Applegate is Mary. Or that that's just. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just one of the the kids, mm-hmm. at the in the the opening. Ice yeah. Cube as the candle maker. Uh, Kate Castillo as La Muerte. Uh, yeah. Hector Elizondo as Carlos Sanchez. With that's his. That's Manolo's dad, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, Danny Trejo as uh, Skeleton Louis. Uh, mm-hmm. Luis. Uh, Carlos Al- Alzraki as uh, General Posada. 
uh, Dali and Chui. Uh, Ana de la Reguera as uh, Skeleton Carmen. Uh, some child actors as the child versions of the main three. Placido mm-hmm. Domingo, opera great of Mexico, uh, as uh, Jorge, the uh, mm-hmm. conquistador Sanchez. Yep. Uh, Who was also an opera singer. I, I said that. Yep. No, no, the 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 the, the character. Oh, was. oh, the character. Yeah, character was. Yeah. The character uh, was an opera singer. Yeah. Uh, Jorge Gutierrez, our uh, esteemed director, as uh, Carmelo. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias is one of the uh, uh, as uh, Pepe Rodriguez, one of the uh, mariachi mariachis, yeah. Um, Along with Cheech Marin. Yep, Cheech Marin in there too. Uh, and there, who's the third one? I don't know. Uh, oh, it, it's. Uh, It must have been uh, Ricardo El Mandril Sanchez, because mm-hmm. uh, the three mariachis all have the same last name, ah. uh, Rodriguez, uh, Pepe, Pancho, and Pablo. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is this guy? He's only got... Oh, he he's mostly a Mexican, like TV show guy. Uh-huh. Uh Not only uh, no, he's uh, on a show called Go On from 2013 on uh, NBC. I don't I don't mm. with Matthew Perry. Hmm. Uh, he was in a movie called Leap. Uh, another animated movie. Uh, and then something called uh. Americano. He was a character named Vovo. Okay, well. Now, before we get ex- into the actual movie. Yeah. Do you want to throw up a uh, little, uh, you know? Oh, yeah, sure. Warning. Warning. Spo- spo- spoilers. Spoilers ahead. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that that should really just be played right at the start of our show. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. We probably should have done it for DuckTales, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk about spoilers and everything, except maybe our weeks. We, we try not to... Hang on. What's up? Hang, someone's at the door. Uh. Please excuse our technical difficulties. Uh, Book of Life. I love Book of Life. It, it's this is like my probably my seventh time seeing it. Maybe. Yeah, like I said uh, before. Like I said before, this is my first time ever seeing either of these movies. Yeah. Um. You know how you feel about Keith David. Yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah, that's how I feel about both Ron Perlman and Ice Cube. Really? Ice Cube? I just like his voice. Huh. I mean, alright. I I, I, I'll watch some shit movies if Ice Cube's in it. 
Oh man, you saw Are We There Yet, huh? I have seen Are We There Yet. I've also seen Ride Along. Oh. Yeah. And Ride Along 2. Mm. I just like Ice Cube for some reason. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, my favorite thing about this movie mm-hmm. is its aesthetic. Yeah, they're all little marionettes. Well, yeah, but not just that, but like um, Jorge Gutierrez's is. Oh yeah, he has such art distinctive style. art style. It it's like it's unapologetically Mexican. Like you 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 can't see it and say, "Oh, that's Canadian." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that yeah, that it it's so it's me- distinctly his culture. Yeah, it's so um, hi- it's so distinctly Hispanic. Um, yeah. Like from just an aesthetic point of view, from a character design point of view, and the movie's use of color, and lighting, and its yeah. environments, or everything, or everything I love about this movie are all uh, yeah. Just, it's how it looks. I I think it's more specific though than just Hispanic. It's specifically Mexican. Yeah, it's specifically Mexican though. Yeah, you're correct. Um, because as we know, Mexico is the center of the universe. <laughs> Yes. According to this movie. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It, um, it deserves to be. I mean, I think my two my favorite designs from this movie are uh, La Muerte, uh, Shibalba, and uh, I really like, uh, I forget their names, the twins of the Sanchez family. Yeah. Um, Carmen... And mm, doesn't matter. We don't. We know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I. Yeah. The twins. Yeah, the twins. The the they're, they're very f- fun. Yeah, but out of all of those, Shibaba is my favorite out of all the designs. Yeah. My yeah. first my first aspect of his design is that whole like the dots of his eyes are two red skulls. Yeah, that it's a real cool design. Uh, the candles and the the black wax coming off his body, and it's just it's a real good. Yeah, it, the it's just so beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who would call the design of this movie ugly, and I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, fuck them. This is absolutely beautiful. I I want to look at nothing but George R. Gutierrez's art. Mm-hmm. And it's he he has it in Atigre too. It's, he just, yeah. it's, his style is so him. There's no I, I've never seen any other artist that has his style. Yeah, it it it's so specifically him. It it, it bleeds a little bit into. Uh, uh, Mucha Lucha as well. I mean, he worked on that show. Yeah, I know that. That's why I'm saying it does because he uh, okay. worked on it. Um, yeah. Uh, but he's he's got a show currently in the works called Maya and the Three that I'm very excited about. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard know. about that. Oh yeah, uh, he talks about it on Twitter a lot. Uh, oh, maybe I should I, be following I, him. 
You should. Uh, I used, I used, when I was on Twitter, he was one of my favorite people to follow because uh, he always had. He would just post his mm-hmm. art and he would post stuff from his show and he he responds to like everyone who ats him basically. Uh, he's great. Uh, but yeah, El Tigre, it looks like it's in there and uh, Kung Fu Space Punch is another one that he directed that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how, like, Star Wars is, like, space western? Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu Space Punch is kind of, like, Mexican space western. Hmm. <laughs> uh. So, uh, Space Gaucho. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, Space Gaucho. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think my my only main this is a fun movie. I think my only main gripe mm-hmm. is that I'm not the biggest fan of the storyteller framing device. Yeah, I that that's my least favorite part of it too. Uh, it like is kind of adds nothing. It explains why they're all marionettes a little bit. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of the only aspect of it that I like is it explains why they're all marionettes. But you could have yeah. done that without the storytelling framing device. Exactly. Yeah, I do like a movie having a narrator. I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it yeah, it the movie you could have just had a narrator for no reason other than having a narrator. It didn't have to be a museum tour guide that's actually at La Muerte, La Muerte. And- all those storyteller scenes that we keep cutting back to kind of completely ruin the pace of the movie. Yeah, I don't like. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, it, yeah. Like that's my only real big gripe is like the pacing of the movie is kind of all fucked up, and it's because of those scenes. Honestly. Yeah. Um. I also was surprised at how little time, relatively speaking, to the length of the movie we spend in the land of the. Departed and the Land of Forgotten. Yeah. Um, like yeah. It takes a while. It, it takes a while for them to get there. Yeah. Um, I personally, I like that. Uh, I understand. Like, <sighs> I mean, the the first part of this movie is setting up our characters, and I get that, and that's important. And but we could have gotten there sooner uh, if yeah. the storyteller bits weren't. The, see, this is it's it's all tied to the storyteller bits. Where the pacing of this movie is like, there's so much of this movie that could have been like, there could have been more of it, or the we could have gotten places sooner. But we have to have this like unnecessary storytelling device. I I have to say that it. I would not have cared as much for the romantic part of it mm-hmm. if they had cut any of the before the Land of the Remembered stuff. I mean, yeah, totally. No, I'm, they, I'm not saying we cut it. I'm saying, like, we get to the Land of the Remembered quicker because the storyteller bits are cut. And we oh, have yeah. More, yeah. We have no, more time. We have more time in the Land that are Remembered than the Land of the, 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 the Forgotten. Yeah. Uh... You know. Yeah. 
Um, it is really weird that Channing Tatum is the only, like the with these three characters, and he's the only light white guy. Well, Ron Perlman. I mean, when, no, out of the, uh, the three humans that are, yeah, you know, the um, three main characters are supposed to be Hispanic, and then one of them is played by a white guy. The, yeah, I, I'm willing to give it. Um, I'm willing to write it off as uh, studio interference a little bit. Yeah, probably. Uh, but it, it's. It's also, you know, I mean, the person who's really in charge of it all is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, del Toro and Gutierrez, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, Gutierrez is in charge of, like, the, 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 the direction, but the producers are usually the people that interfere with studio. Like, when we're talking about studio interference, we usually talk about producers, but the producer in this case is Del Toro. Yeah, and he doesn't seem like the guy who would interfere. So, right? yeah, so that's why I think maybe it's more like A. Jenny Tatum is genuinely funny as an actor. Oh, yeah, no, he's the. He, yeah, no, he's. He, he's, he's he he does a really good performance in this movie, and he is funny. Yeah, I, I am completely willing to say he just got past all the the trials, the the casting calls. Like he, it just he yeah. did the best in the role of Joaquin. Um, yeah, that's fair. And and yeah. you know uh, that there are you know uh, very pale white Mexican people. Uh, they they you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. Just, um, I'm again. This is above our pay. This is above our pay grade. Yeah, this is above our pay grade as two white guys <laughs> from America. Um, which oh by the way, by the way, uh, just to get out of the way, no, uh, we will not be talking about. Did you the whole discourse about these two movies or the entire idea of is any of it cultural? or appropriation because one that's stupid and two we're two white guys that's not our it's above our pay grade yeah um you know uh hold on give me a second Mm mhm Yeah, it's above our pay grade. Uh, but yep. um, Book of Life, we can safely say it's not because all the people in charge Me- are Mexican and it's about no, Mexican. No, the, the, yeah, Gutierrez is Hispanic. He's Mexican. Yeah, he, he's, it, it's he's his Mexican. culture. It, it's his, um, and this is his creation. Yeah. So. And Del Toro is also Mexican, and he's the producer. He's the main money guy behind it. And Diego Luna, Luna is Mexican, and I, I, I think Zoe Saldana, I read, is Dominican. But that that's not important. It, it, they, 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 you know, it, it's not cultural. It, it, it's just not. Uh, 
in this case. It is above our I pay mean, grade, though. It, it's. I mean, yeah, it is above our pay grade. We're not we're two white guys. Yeah. There are people whose job it is to talk about these things who are actually Mexican and who actually have things to say about it, not us. and that's not us. Yeah. Uh, Jorge um, Gutierrez himself has thrown his hat into the ring on this whole topic. So if you want that, yeah. hear what he has to say about it because he's the one who should be talking about it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I love Diego Luna. He has such a oh, yeah, wonderful no, he's, singing he's voice. And uh, mm-hmm. he's pop- from the uh, new Star Wars movies. He's my favorite. Uh, Cassian Andor is my favorite character introduced in any of the Disney era movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from like a, I mean, like from a pure design perspective of like the character and what he did, and I just really like Cassian Andor. Uh, and that means I, I haven't felt that strongly about a character since Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, that's besides the point. Um. Aside from my problems with the pacing, mm-hmm. I have no other like real major issues with this movie. It's it's fun. It's just it's it's not trying to take itself too seriously, and it genuinely has like some. Oh like, yeah, it has some heart. Yeah, it it it's um, it's not a musical, but it it, it does the uh, the jukebox musical thing. It does the uh, Milan Rouge thing. Yeah, the Moulin Rouge, or yeah, uh, it, it, it's all popular. M- yeah. Mamma Mia. Uh, Mama, no, Mamma Mia is a proper musical. Um, all the songs are Appa songs. I know, but what? It's a jukebox musical, but it's still a musical because the the characters don't act like they know they're singing, except in that one scene where they're doing a stage show. Uh, but this well, is I more mean- like. All the characters know they're singing, and they they all bring attention to the fact that they're singing, and that's what makes it not a musical, but have music in it. It it it's the diagenic versus non diagenic thing. You know what I mean? Would 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 doesn't that mean that Cats Don't Dance isn't a musical? No, it is. There's scenes where they do know they're singing, but there's also scenes where they're just using song as exposition. Like the um, the one in the rain. That that that's not her calling out that she's singing. I mean, it just seems like such a like weird it, distinction. It is an important distinction. I mean, yeah. I don't because know. the music. <sighs> we're not getting it. We're not gonna get into this. Yeah. Uh. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, like, because, like, our, our, these are musical characters. You know what I mean? Like, th- our main character wants to be a mariachi uh, rather than a bullfighter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. The, the, and the heart I was talking about was uh, at the end, near the end, when uh, Manolo has that moment where he apologizes to all of the bulls that his family has killed. Yeah. And, I don't know, there was just, there was something, there was something about that that I really, was really nice. It was, it was, a, it was sort of like, he, 
he had two opportunities to not be himself, but if he wasn't himself, then he wouldn't be. Then Maria would. He wouldn't like, be the for, person Maria fell in love with. Exactly. Although I kind of wish the twist was that she doesn't pick either of them, then they just stay friends. Yeah. I wish that that was the twist. Or uh, Polycule. A Polycule, yeah. No, yeah, no, I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, she has I'm, two I'm, hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not with you on that one, but I, I understand the uh, train of thought. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just because... Like, so much of the... It, it's a romantic comedy in the end, you know? Like, it, it's... I mean, it's so much more than romantic comedy, but at, at its core, it is a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people not ending up together in a romantic comedy would just feel wrong to me. It's just because it's... I don't know. I just thought it was... um. It felt like that that's what they were going with, Mar- with Maria's character. Is that she wasn't going to pick either of them, and that she just didn't. She wasn't really into the whole romance thing or love. She was just like, "Nah, I just really I like you guys, and I love you, f- and as a friend." I I don't read it that way at all, because like, she got Manolo a guitar. That's expensive as all hell. Yeah, he's like, also like, rich. Yeah, yeah, still. Rich people don't go, you know, like, there's, there's no... She's a, she's a nice person. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't get uh, Joaquin anything fancy. Well, it was just because she wanted to, like, it was the thing was broken. He was like, I wanted to replace it, and that was it. Mm, no. Like, it was it was just, like, the thing she was doing that was nice. Like... No. Alright, whatever. I don't know, I just would have liked if yeah. they pulled a swerve. It would have been it would have been, you know, something different. Yeah, it would have been something different. Um I I just it, it it was another called shot from the start. Like I mean, yeah, it's just I thought that would have been a fun swerve. Yeah. No, I I in a different movie, sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all for I'm all for that plot being a thing that exists. I just don't want it in this movie. I do. Okay. That's just me, though. Yeah. Uh, I got nothing else to say. Yeah, me neither. Okay. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, let's uh, well, we'll just take a quick break, and we'll we'll get it to you when we get back. Uh, hang tight. Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Un, dos, tres, cuatro. And- 
And welcome back, everybody, to Acme Podcast Incorporated. We are going to talk about Coco now, and... Ooh, this... <sighs> this is your first time seeing it. Yeah. Like with most Pixar movies, it's a real tearjerker. It, it, they, they know how to get at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's real personal for me, though, because... Uh, on the lesser end of it, I was real close with my grandpa uh, when I was a kid, uh, and, and he died when I was like 10, and that, that was very hard. Uh, and to a greater, lesser extent, meaning more than the previous less, but less than the big one, uh, I have deep-seated abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. Uh... And this feeds into my next one, which is the big one. I've been forgotten. Mm. Uh, uh, my dad's dementia. Uh, by the time I was 13, he couldn't remember my name all the time. By the time I was 16, he couldn't remember my name at all. By the time I was 18, he didn't remember how we were related or that we were related. Um, and... Coco just hits real hard with the whole remembering. Being remembered. And it... This is my second time seeing it because I saw it once. I was like, I love this movie, but that's fucking enough. I do not need to have my week ruined again. Well. Uh, (laughs) uh, And I'm going to be in a pretty shitty mood the next week, I reckon. Because... Boy, this hit just as hard this time as it did the first time. Um, but yeah, uh, Coco is about a a young boy, uh, Miguel, who uh, his family hates music and he loves music and he wants nothing more than to be a musician. Uh, and he winds up in the land of the dead, even though he's alive. And he sets out to find the man he believes is his great-great-grandfather, uh, who's a legendary singer. Turns out that's not his great-great-grandfather, but the man who killed his great-great-grandfather. Uh, De La Cruz. De La Cruz, yeah. Uh, okay. And then the dad, Hector. Ernesto De La Cruz, and the, the actual great-great-grandfather, Hector. Uh, Hector, played by... Uh, Gail Garcia Bernal and uh, Ernesto de la Cruz played by Benjamin Brett. Um, and uh, Antonio Sol is his uh, singing voice. Yes. Yes. Uh, and Miguel is played by uh, Anthony Gonzalez. And uh, Mama Imelda is by Alana Ubach. There's a lot of Mexican, Hispanic uh, yeah. people in this, in this cast. A lot of Spanish-speaking folk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good. Appropriate. Yeah. Keith uh, Marin is also in this one. Yeah, you know, uh, that that's sort of the... the, the there's like a unspoken Hollywood rule that if you're going to be doing Mexican stuff, you got to get Cheech Marin or Danny Trejo or both. <laughs> and uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Iglesias is also in this one. Yeah, he he's in that... He's he's in that grouping too nowadays. I reckon. Uh, mm-hmm. I 
could never get a good read on Gabriel Iglesias. What do you mean? Like, is he actually funny? <laughs> I, 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 I remember I liked his early stand-up, like the early stuff I used to hear when I was like in high school or middle school, whenever, uh, like the early fluffy stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I mean, I remember stand-up being funny. Yeah, I. I, I don't know. I just like. I, at a certain point, I got tired of it. I, I need to give it a second, another shot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I need to go back and look at some of his stuff again. Yeah, I mean, I remember I remember it being funny. Yeah. I remember that bit about where he got pulled up by the cop, and he was like, do you want to pull you over? And then he pulls out the box of donuts, and he goes, because you can smell it. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Okay, he's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is funny. <laughs> uh, now, all of his jokes are funny, but he is funny. Yeah. And a lot of his jo- a lot of his humor is at his own expense. Yeah, that that is true. Um it's a lot of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fat and it's kind of funny, but also you know. Yeah. Uh etc etc. Et yeah. I I just I feel like I remember hearing something controversial about him a few years ago, and I can't remember the nature of it in any way, shape, or form. Me neither. I don't. I don't even know. Which, I, I think I might have, but I don't know. I also just remember uh, not enjoying the Gabriel Iglesias show. Mm-hmm. Remember that time uh, around uh, the mid aughts when Comedy Central they first did the Dave Chappelle show, and then they gave a bunch of other comedians their own show in that style. Yeah, not everybody can do that. Yeah. Uh, the Gabriel Ingl- I, I remember not enjoying the Gabriel Iglesias one. It's like, you're, yeah, you're funny as a comedian, but like you did, just because you're like a funny stand-up comedian doesn't mean you necessarily can carry a show. And sometimes, and, and you know, and you'll just get a show just because you're a funny stand-up comedian, and sometimes you'll get a show even when you're not a funny stand-up comedian, George Lopez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Tim actually like to... <laughs> yeah, I like George Lopez's sitcom. Uh, for a while, it was far from perfect, but I remember enjoying it. It, it was very by the books. My experience with the George Lopez sitcom, the George Lopez show, is waking up in a half sleep fugue state, hearing Lowrider. <laughs> uh. I mostly like remember it as... Four in the morning. <laughs> I honestly remember it more as the only piece of media I've ever seen that has shown nostalgia for H&R Puffin stuff. Yeah. And for that alone, I give it respect. Because mm. uh, I don't know why I have nostalgia for H&R Puffin stuff. I've never seen H&R Puffin stuff. I just remember seeing H&R Puffin stuff merchandise when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, um, I I know I wasn't gonna. I said I wasn't gonna comment on the compare the similarities between these two movies. It's like, yes, the main character has a family that has a business that he doesn't want to be involved in. Yes, he wants to be a musician. Yes, he goes to the land of the dead. That's kind of where all the similarities between the movies end. Yeah. Uh, the other one's romantic comedy. This one is more about dealing with dementia. At the end of the well, day. Well, that and you know. Family, just in general. Family, yeah. But 
dealing with dementia tends to be a family issue in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Generally, in my experience, and I have a lot of experience in that. um, Yeah. (sighs) Really hits Uh, you on a deeply personal level, yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, this is a hard one for me to like i i remember thinking about how am i going to talk about this i was walking the dog uh not, not the dog walk dog walk i just took but it was the one before dinner um i was like how the hell am i going to talk about this i remember breaking down crying again in the middle of the street walking the dog uh just thinking about this damn movie um I feel like at this point I'm far enough removed from actually watching it that that's not going to happen on the show. I think I've got all the tears out of my system. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, this movie, it's beautiful. It, it, I'm so glad on multiple levels that it exists. Um, mostly because there needs to be a movie about dealing with uh, like Alzheimer's and dementia and stuff like that, um, yeah, and, and loss and, and like how to dealing with loss of a family member, um, because there's there's really not a lot of like there's a lot of books on the topic, but there's not a lot of like children's media that really deals with it. So often dementia is done as a joke in media that children might consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the best thing I can remember is what, what what's there was some show I can't remember which one where someone always calls the main character Billy and like I'm not Billy. Um, is that ringing any bells to you? Uh, vaguely. Yeah. Like making jokes about people being senile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So often it's treated as a joke, but here it, it's like a a serious issue and it deserves to be dealt with in a serious way because it's really just often overlooked and it it needs to not be treated as a joke. I mean, it can be treated as a joke. I, I laugh at dementia jokes every once in a while. like, But on the whole, I would rather it be taken seriously. And this movie is an excellent way for it to be done. Yeah, for it to for tackle sure. the issue. Um, for kids, too. Just yes. Kids yes. Which is important. I, I, I think it's important. This is kind of like real semi-related to current events. Mm-hmm. But like how Sesame Street did that whole episode explaining the Black Lives Matter protests. Yes. And people got angry about that. Yeah. And I'm like, what, you're just going to not tell them? I think that's it, it. It it ties into the whole, uh, you know, like how am I supposed to explain this to my children? Well, this is how you explain this to your children. Um, Sit down and talk to them. They're not stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just because you find it to be offensive doesn't mean your children will, and your, or your, that your children should, or that you should, really. Um, they should be allowed to form their own opinions. Yeah. Like, it's, they don't have the context that you do. Yeah. Like, they're smarter than you give them credit for, and without the context and, like, um, social influence of the world at large, 
like they sh they have a completely different perspective on the matter. Yeah. Unless you've hammered your own perspective into them from a young yeah. age. Which a lot of parents do. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh. But anyway. Uh. I don't like the designs as much in this movie. Compared yeah, to the, 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 it's less stylized. Um, yeah. It, they're not quite anatomical skeletons, you know what I mean? But they're... they're oh, um, no, no. But but it is... The other one is so cartoony in nature. It, it, it's like... It, they're all exaggerated. They're, they're all marionettes, you know? They're, they're geometric mm. shapes for the most part. Uh, th this is much more like... You can tell these are supposed to be people, not puppets. Um, yeah, and I do like both uh, lands of the remembered. Um, we never touch on the forgotten at all, like what happens to them in this movie. They just treat it as a second death, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Death for the dead. Yeah. Um, but uh, while this movie wasn't clearly as personal to me as it was to you. Yeah. Um, I never dealt with a uh, family member with dementia, but um, my my grandmother, who I lived with for like 10 years yeah. in, in this house, about four, three or four years ago, maybe longer, It's I've lost track. She had a stroke. Mm. And uh, I remember... When she came in, when we, I think my sibling said something about her saying something and it not making sense, and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And going in there, seeing her sitting in the living room, and she's just saying absolute nonsense. Yeah. That's, but anyway, uh, yeah, that yeah. that's yeah. I don't want to get too much into more of the super heavy shit. Y yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's keep it light and breezy uh, for the most part. Um, but I I can definitely, you know, I can relate. Uh, the to say that this movie made me cry is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I don't remember Pixar movies so much before uh, like Up and Wally -E, uh, really being tear jerkers. Mm -hmm. I mean, Toy Story, two. Toy and Story. Oh yeah, Toy Story two, and three. Yeah, but like up and up and Wally came before three, didn't they? Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, Wally definitely came before up, and that definitely came before three. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about Wally eventually. I yeah that I mm. I like Wally. I do too. That's the, the okay. I don't think I've ever seen a Pixar movie I didn't like. Mm -hmm. They're also just, with a couple exceptions, they're not really movies I ever want to revisit. <laughs> well, we're going to have to. This is a podcast about animation. Yeah. Yeah, no, we will eventually. Um, I'm just really not looking forward to it because so many of them hit really hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, like not. We'll, we'll give you. We'll give you a break. For a while, yeah. Uh, before we before we talk about a, a real Pixar tearjerker, 
Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Toy Story 2. It yeah, can, Toy Story. Toy yeah. Story 2, it, it, it gets at my abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, all right. Up and Wally are just... Wally, it, it's more like the beautiful story tears. It's not like sad tears for me yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Wally is the best because it's about lesbian robots. Yes. Fight me. <laughs> anyway, I'm not. I'm not going to contest that. No, no, no I'm talking to. Every, I'm talking to. Any, I'm talking to everybody else. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, right. Wally's about lesbian robots. Fight me. Yeah. Fight him. Anyway. Fight me too. Uh. So. I'm think. No one needs to wonder why up makes you cry. Yeah, the first ten it. minutes. It's like first yeah. ten minutes, and you're just. Like, do we? Do I really have to sit through another like hour and a half of a movie after that? Hmm. Uh, Funnily enough, my favorite two favorite Pixar movies are the ones that I can watch again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Incredibles and Incredibles Two. <laughs> I though those don't really they're they're not tearjerkers, so I can watch them again. And this superhero, they're like superhero deconstructive things. Not not quite the way. Adventure Brothers is, but still. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of the music in this movie better. Because it it's original it was, music. It, it was original music, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't adaptations of popular music. Um, a lot of the songs in Book of Life are songs I already liked. Um, yeah. And, and I like those versions of them. Yeah. I have that soundtrack. I listen to it all the fucking time. Um, but Coco, the, the songs are all original songs, new, original to this. It's they're tailored for this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah. They're also just really good songs. Like, I, I don't own this soundtrack, but I, I will, uh, like, go on YouTube and look for the songs. Um, I, I did like the, uh, De La, I, I liked that they basically turned De La Cruz into a, uh, what's his name? Clark Gable type? Yeah. Like, he he comes off as a Clark Gable, like, he was a big actor, or a, or a frickin', uh, ben, Antonio Banderas. Yeah. You know? or, or like a, uh... Elvis. El- yeah, El- Elvis, there's definitely, like, an actual Mexican equivalent, for sure. Cause oh, yeah, for sure, but we don't know because, you know. We we don't watch Mexican movies. <laughs> we didn't grow up on Mexican movies and Mexican TV. Uh, the only, like, yeah. Mexican actors I know are, uh, uh, oh, um, Diego Luna and... Is Diego Luna Mexican? I'm pretty sure. And and uh the guy from The Mandalorian, I forgot his name. Oh. Yeah. Uh um Sorry, uh you you Pedro Pascal, that's the name I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
All I was gonna, I was just gonna say, um. But he's actually uh, Chilean, not Mexican, so oh. that that's different. And yeah. Diego Luna is Mexican. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Much like how Book of Life had a lot of really good use of color in yeah. this movie. Yeah, it, it's real bright and the it's much more neon, you know, like it's warm. Yeah, there's way more warm colors in this movie than there are in like the Book of Life uses warm colors, but they're a little more muted. I want to yeah. say, except in the the land of the uh, the remembered. Yeah. Um, but this is like they really go ham on like the real neon colors, especially on the uh, the spirit guides, like the big tiger and uh, yeah. Dante when he transforms and whatnot. Yeah, they they remind yeah. they, they. I was gonna say they remind me of like the uh, like that that the um, the paint that glows under black lights and uh, yeah, like that you see sure. like ravers wear. I don't know if this is offensive, but they kind of remind me of pinatas. I think that's intentional. Yeah, it might be intentional. I'd like. I don't Cause, know because pinata is a Mexican tradition. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. But like, I don't know if like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about it too hard. Um. This movie, while it has funny moments, isn't you know, trying to be a comedy like book of life is yeah th- this is more than anything it tries to be heartwarming yeah uh which is sort of you know disney pixar's bread and butter yeah it's it's about the uh, it's about the other the stuff we talked about it's also about like the connections with not just your family but with people in general yeah and you know um, it, 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 it really does go back to that saying about you do, you die two deaths. Yeah. You know, when you die, when your physical body dies and then when the last person who ever remembered you speaks your name. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, God, it really is, um, I honestly thought that, I put this. I thought that the, the the other family members of uh, Miguel's like deceased family, mm-hmm. I thought the 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 great grandmother was gonna end up being like the antagonist for part a good part of the movie. Yeah, they they were kind of setting her up as that because they hadn't quite revealed that Hector. I mean, it, I it felt a lot. Yeah. The, it felt a lot more obvious the second time going through it that, oh, yeah, you you can sort of... Hector uh, definitely feels more like... Mm-hmm. Like, you see... Obviously, on the second time, you know what's happening. The twist. Yeah, and you know the twist. You can... But you're able to see more clearly the, the hints that they sprinkle throughout for the twist yeah, for that sure. comes, yeah. Um, yeah, for for a good portion of the movie, I thought that we're like, okay, so they got the big monster, and then the the great grandmother is like not an a villain, but she is the you know the antagonist. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, for sure, because she hates Hector because she thought Hector abandoned them. 
Yeah. Hmm. And then the, but then we got the 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 De La Cruz twist, and he is the true villain of the uh, the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. I don't know why, but he kind of reminds like maybe it's the hair that makes me think of Clayton from Tarzan. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, it's the hair, and he has the same general body shape. Like if, when you sure. see him, when you see him when he is alive, he definitely looks a lot like, yeah, Clayton. He's got the big nose. He's got like the pronounced chin, the the big barrel chest, big arms. Yeah. Yep. Um. Trying to um. Sorry, go on. I also I think that this movie does a better job of explaining because Book of Life is takes place on the Day of the Dead, but it's not really about the Day of the Dead. This movie is about the Day of the Dead. Yeah. It's it's it gets way more into what Dio de los Muertos is. Yeah. The, the the traditions like the flower petals and the like we we see that stuff in the beginning of the book of life but that it's like sort of like and it it's kind of explained but it's doesn't go into too much detail about what the entire celebration is a, about as much as this movie does yeah like um it yeah for sure uh day of the dead is more just like not David. I'm sorry. Book of Life definitely is just more like playing with the mythology a little bit, and and yeah. this one is more about the the tradition itself. Um, and exp- edge and not just, and like doing a story about it, but also like if you don't know what Day of the Dead is, it's more instructive. Exp- yeah, explain explaining some things about it and kind of getting the idea of what it's about. Yeah. Um. So I so do... I sorry go on no go no 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 go on go uh well do you have anything more to add to that because mine's a different topic um the, the the I like the interpretations of some of the aspects of it like uh, I like the where they can just take the ghosts of the objects offers and that they basically have to take them back through customs yeah there's something about um divine bureaucracies that I just find hilarious. Yeah, magical bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, not just magical, but like, like, ho- yeah, I guess magical, but like it heavenly bureaucracy. You know, it, magical bureaucracy is one. Though. Like magical bureaucracy could just be, like, not to invoke she who must not be named, but uh, it could be just be Gringotts, but like specifically otherworldly divine bureaucracy. You know what I mean? You know what. Speaking of freaking otherworldly divine bureaucracy and Day of the Dead, I mean, Grim Fandango. Yeah. It's nothing but that. Yeah. Uh, it's just bureaucracy. Yep. And I do love me some Grim Fandango. Yep. Uh, and then, like, the whole, like, the flower petal thing and how it, um,. It makes the bridge, and if you're not remembered, you can't even walk on the bridge. Yep. Which is, well, you mean you're remembered, but you have to, your thing has to be your portrait has to be up. Yeah, that was it, and that was yeah. 
a really cool little thing and um the and it was just it just is nice that these two movies exist and I hope more um movies about um cultures that aren't really represented all that much get more love. Disney seems to be trying to do that at the moment. Uh yeah, they did they did Moana and then this and then they're doing that um the the um the last dragon the last dragon yeah which seems to be southeast asian southeast asian yeah specific i think specifically i heard like vietnamese uh or yeah. something like that um thai 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 maybe thai yeah uh southeast asian that that just southeast asian on a more broad perspective um yeah yeah but, what was the thing you were going to talk about? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I looked up uh, to see who Ernesto de la Cruz was actually based on, because for sure he was. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, he he's based on two famous... Uh, well, he's based on, like, a number of ones, but the two major uh, ones that he's based on are uh, Pedro Infante and Jorge Negrete. Uh, mm. Who were both uh, popular actors and singers, um, oh. singers and actors uh, from Mexico? Um, Neat. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah, and uh, you actually see him interacting with them in the movie. Cool. Yeah. Uh, specifically, uh, at his party, Ernesto is seen interacting with Negrete and Infante. Uh, at the party. Now, that's neat. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. That's such a nice detail. Yeah. And they're considered to be actors and singers from the golden age of Mexican cinema, which I guess is probably like the 40s and 50s. 50s. Yeah, 50s, probably, yeah. yeah. 40s, 50s. Same, th- same as like how the golden age of Hollywood cinema is around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um... The uh, shit. I was gonna say something, but I lost it. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. I it happens. You could just you have a thought, and then it just flutters away. Believe me, I know that feeling all too well. Like a little fuck butterfly. Yep. Um. God damn it! That's gonna bug me. Oh well. Say lovey. Say lovey. I'll probably remember it when it's not relevant anymore. Yeah. That happens to me so many times from like um, where I try like I'll try to remember an actor's name, mm. and it'll it won't it like well I'll, whatever. And this was before we had internet, and I'll like I'll, I'll just like whatever I don't even remember. And then yeah. like I would wake up in the middle of the night and just be like, that was it. <laughs> I, I do gotta say, like, while they're they're not as like stylized as the uh, Book of Life character designs, I really do like the character design in this. Oh yeah, I do too. Uh, particularly for the skeletons, but also yeah, Mama Coco looks like a real person. Like the, just the oh, amount of detail, yeah. and she, I, I'm pretty sure she was based on someone. 
for sure. Um, like you, you, you've probably met at least one grandmother who looks that ancient. You know? Yeah. But, um... I think... Yeah, other than that thing I forgot, I think that was all I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. Um, so we're going to take one more short break, and upon our return, we're going to close this bitch out. We will see you then. Now back to the show. Do you see how your patience paid off? And welcome back, everybody, for the last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Woo! Yeah! All right! Uh... I love it when a plan comes together. For those, for those who haven't realized it yet, Laser has brought back his soundboard. Running riot. <laughs> Let's get scratching. Yeah. yeah the uh, soundboard. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Th this is my stand. The soundboard. <laughs> the power of my stand. Uh, my stand, UHF. Why do you have that? Why not? Is it going to go through the whole song? No. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> That's all the podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, that that's it for this episode. Uh uh we we had some fun. We had some tears. Uh, we had some minor disagreements, but everything was civil. Uh, so yeah, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm sorry, no, you can reach us by email at acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Give me that email again. That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Yeah, and I've already checked the email and we got nothing there. Uh, at the moment, so if you wanted to get in contact with us on Tumblr, how could you do that, Kai? You can find us on Tumblr at acmepodcast.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. Yep, and Kai has told me that we got a, a question in our ask box, so let's uh, let's crack that open, bud. Uh, Anon asks, which cartoon or cartoons gave you a personal sense of hope or inspired you? Hmm. That's a very good question. Hmm. I... Man. 
That's a real, that's a real heavy question. Hmm. Uh... You know, honestly, um, there are a lot of movies that, like, have a lesson, but not, like, but because you're a little older, they don't hit as hard. Uh-huh. Um, one of them did for me, personally. And we already talked about it, and that's Kung Fu Panda. Okay. There's there's no there's no secret ingredient. It's just you. Okay. You know. Yeah. I I've the past like four or five years I've learned to like love myself more. I guess. Okay. And I I could I think I really that that lesson from that movie really hits a lot harder. Then it, I mean I don't know it, it it's a lesson that I feel like I should have learned, but a long time ago. But thinking about it now, yeah, that might be one. That's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um. um inspired me or made me feel hopeful. Those were the exact words, it, right? Yeah, inspired you. Make it could inspire of you to be creative in any capacity or just inspired you to do anything. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think if there's um from a pure like driven me to create perspective. Mm-hmm. Um I remember the two things that made me start to enjoy drawing were Ronin Warriors and Dragon Ball Z when I was in like the fifth grade. Yeah. Um, Cause I just started wanting to draw the Ronin Warriors and uh, I, I used to collect the uh, Beckett unofficial Beckett DBZ collector magazines. And they always had like a, how to draw this DBZ character somewhere in it. Yeah. Uh, and I would always copy those. Um, Um, I never really did anything with my art, but I still like drawing. Um, uh, I, you know, what's another one for me is this is kind of like, kind of similar related is it, it completely changed my perspective on a specific type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Samurai Jack made me appreciate visual storytelling. Mm, yeah. With without any dialogue and just minimal or minimal dialogue and really inspired me to realize that um a lot of art that there, that it, it really opened my eyes to the value of different kinds of art and yeah. it's how it's used and I I don't think I really under I don't think I understood it um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like I wasn't ex- exactly aware of that it did that, but mm-hmm. I think subconsciously, I realized that Samurai Jack made me not just a pre, not just like open my eyes to the idea of a, a story that could be told without words, but like made me realize that some of my favorite stories are stories that are told without words. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why which is why the first half of Wally is my favorite part of Wally. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh, and I know a I know a show that made me feel hopeful. Okay. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay. Courage has a lot of really strong episodes about believing in yourself and yeah. the beauty of nature and the beauty of other people. It, and it it's all hidden under a thick layer of eldritch horror, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's so many episodes of Courage that are, like, genuinely, like, hopeful and heartwarming and tell a really good message. Yeah. I'm... Uh, I'm really struggling, like... Mm-hmm. It's a tough question. Yeah, like... Definitely one of those questions I think we probably should have like looked at ahead of time and thought about it. Yeah, because I really like just like pure creative inspiration. There, there's a couple things. Yeah, um, nothing that really like strongly affected my uh, like my writing style or like my like the way I narratively create things generally. I. I I feel like I owe more of that to uh, books and sitcoms than I do mm-hmm. to uh, cartoons. Uh, things that make me hopeful. Nothing. I'm. I've, Maybe you can come back to the question at a later date. Um, yeah. just give me like five. <laughs> give me a, just. Um. All right, uh, future laser cut like five minutes. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll cut this down until it's more. Uh, uh, I make a note of. I want to make a note of that. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll uh. I'll 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 do something. <laughs> If I can alter the question a little to something that like really affected me and like my uh, like my train like the way I think about things. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean that's what I kind of like sidetracked it with Samurai Jack. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I'm I'm not like a super like creative person. I I, I don't see myself as that. But um, mm-hmm. things that like altered the way I think about things. Uh, definitely, um, oh, I, I, mm, that's real annoying, I just forgot, uh, fuck me. Do you remember what it was about? Maybe I can help you. Beck, it was Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Um. Oh, Beck, Beck is so good. Yeah, um. I love Beck. Yeah, that, that, that one definitely sort of, like, affected me. In a lot of ways, um, to a lesser extent, um, th- there's a lot of hidden depth to uh, Hajime no Ippo. Mm. Uh, th- there's there's a lot of 
things in there like about um perseverance and uh attitude and how they really affect uh the outcome like your your attitude going into a situation will affect your outcome uh and that that's what i really took out of ipo uh and, and that's more of the manga uh than the anime cuz that that's definitely the, the most recent arc in uh the ipo retiring from boxing uh arc in the manga um has really taught me about that where that that's really affected my thinking uh but specifically an- but but I was introduced to Hajime no Ippo through the anime so I'm counting that I mean yeah I, I, you know I count it um oh I know a, I know a thing that makes me hopeful okay Mononoke Princess Mononoke Okay. I I haven't it, seen it, so I, I It's my favorite movie of all time. Okay. Period. Not animated movie. Not Miyazaki movie. Movie Favorite movie of all time. Period. I love Princess Mononoke. I can feel that. Um um But I want to save any thoughts I have about that for when we eventually talk about it. Yeah. It's easier to, for me to call out the things that have affected me in a bad way than the in a good way. Because, <laughs> uh, like, well, my, my favorite movie is a goofy movie. And sadly, the lesson I took away from that is it's fine if you lie as long as you make your lie a truth. <laughs> uh uh, just... Wow! Seriously? That's what you took from that? When I was a little kid, yeah. As long as you... As long as you... It, I mean, a better way to say it is fake it till you make it. Um, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, like, it worked out for him because, A, she was already interested in him. Uh. But then he went out of his way to make his stupid lie a truth. I mean, okay. Uh, that, that, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's not my takeaway as an adult. That was my takeaway as a five-year-old. Yeah, okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I had, I had a convoluted. Train of thought as a five-year-old, and and I still do. Laser, uh, Laser. yeah. I've learned so much about you doing this podcast with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I I think we kind of answered the question. Yeah, uh, in a roundabout in a roundabout way. Yeah, I, I genuinely say I don't think I've ever watched a cartoon that made me feel hopeful. Well, um, you are a very cynical person. Yeah. Um, to be fair. Yeah, that that that's a major problem I have, and I've kind of been cynical from the start, even. Um. Hmm. 
Well, yeah. We've. <sighs> Sorry, go on. No, no, we, we've we've kind of answered the question. I think we can. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, let's keep going on. Uh, sorry, just need to take a sip of my ginger ale. Um, Mouth noises. Yeah, sorry. I'll I'll try to remember to cut that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's how you can get in contact with the show. But if you wanted to get in contact with us, specifically either one of us, for me, you have to do it through the show. Oh, you can also find us. Oh, sorry. You oh. You can also find us on Twitter. Oh, yeah, on Twitter, at Podcast Inc. Uh, yeah. That's where you can find us, but, uh, find the show. But if you want to get in contact specifically with me, you have to just go through the show route, route either Podcast Inc. or the email or the Tumblr. Uh, I don't really check the Tumblr or the Twitter. That That's all Kai. So if you want to get specifically to me, the email is your best bet. Um, but if they want to get in contact with you, Kai, how could they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor, K-A-I-J-U underscore E-M-P-E-R-O-R. You can also find me on Tumblr at kaiju dash emperor, spelled the same way. And that's re- reblogs, retweets, things I like, mainly like fan art and dumb, stupid memes. But if you want anything original from me, uh, I uh, have a side blog called Kai's Tome, K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E where I post uh, my homebrew D&D stuff, and I actually did post another new homebrew D&D subclass. It's a sorcerer bloodline called uh, the Ghost Touched. Basically, you get to be Danny Phantom. Oh, fun. You ha- you're a half-ghost. You get ghost powers and spells that are ghost-flavored. Fun. If they ever add back the uh, Revenant as a player race, how would that interact? Good question. I think they made <laughs> Revenant a class. Oh, they made it a class? Okay. And For the Rogue, I think. Oh. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know how it would play out with a... With a race, though. Um, there actually is a new source book coming out this month, so... Oh, what, what, do you know which one it is? It's called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It's going to be a lot like Xanathar's Guide, where it's just like stuff for DMs, stuff for players, whatever. Fun, fun, fun. 22 new subclasses in that book. Whoo! Any new, like, outright classes? Uh, they, if you don't have the Eberron book, the Artificer is also in there. Okay. Uh, gonna, there's gonna be a new artificer subclass, and they not really the only other sub the only other full class they're working on is the scion. Okay, uh, they, they they say anything about new races? Uh, we don't know if there's any new races. There probably is going to be new races in that book though, because there's always new races. Yeah, but that that that's one of the things that gets everyone most excited, I think, about new source code and source material, source books. I yeah, mean, they're probably gonna be new races and there's like again there's 22 new subclasses there's a bunch of uh stuff for dms like there's rules for um a uh, faction uh influence Ooh. and stuff and stuff like that and like having a uh a patron like not like like not like a warlock patron but like someone who hires you and like you know how you can influence them and yeah like your their opinion of you yeah that, that that's a favorite uh 
framing device for a lot of DMs, yourself included, <laughs> if I may say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it works. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it definitely works better when you want to keep it in a centralized location. Um, Which I want to do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, then that's coming out on the 14th, I think, so like a week from now. Exactly seven days. Yeah, it, so that'll be cool. Or well, yeah, five days. Day, five days from when this airs. Oh yeah, five five days from when this airs. Seven days from when we're recording. We're recording this on the seventh. Yeah. Uh. But you can pre-order it now, on D and D Beyond. All right. Hey. Uh. So that's it for you. But that's it for me. Okay, uh, well, uh, come back in two weeks uh, when we'll be tackling The Tick and The Incredibles. Uh, but until then, uh, vaya con Dios, uh, and don't be a jackass. See you next time. Spoon! All right. What? Okay, sorry about that, folks. Wow, that fit perfectly. I, I did the, the mariachi on my soundboard, and I started as soon as you got up, and it ended right as you sat down. Wow. <laughs> Does that mean the show's over, Dick? I guess. B -b 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 -b